I remember being a kid and having all kinds of visions and thoughts about what it would be like to be an adult. First of all, I was wrong about a lot of things, but there were lots of things that I wanted to do and be, and I bet you did too. Um, but I didn't feel very limited by much of anything. That's probably true of you as well. Um, I felt like I could do or be anything. Now, my grandfather was a Native American. And back then, we said Indian, and nobody thought anything about it. So when people would ask what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would say, I'm going to be an Indian. And, <laughs> and part of what I meant by that was that I was going to have dark skin. Now, I... I don't know if you can tell, but I didn't exactly get those genes, but that didn't stop me. Um, I had extraordinarily pale skin as a kid, but I, would, I was convinced I was going to grow up and I was going to have dark skin just like a real Indian. And there were some women who I think thought it was hilarious that I thought this and that I said that. And so they were always asking me, now what is it that you want to be when you grow up? And so I would tell them I was going to be an Indian and I would lift up the sleeves of my shirt to show them just how I was progressing in the skin department. And, you know, which wasn't very much. But at some point, I don't know when I stopped saying it. I don't know when I stopped um, thinking that that was a possibility. I don't know when it began to seem silly. But at some point, I realized no matter how much I want this, that's not going to happen for me. Now, what was it for you? What, what was it that you desired to be, that you hoped for? And when did you stop seeing that that was going to be a reality? When did you stop believing that it was possible? For all of us, there comes a point where we reevaluate our plans and our hopes and our dreams. Sometimes it's because we're forced to. Um, maybe we, uh, the people around us don't believe that it's possible for us to do or to be what it is that we hope for. Uh, maybe we think it seems silly or unattainable. Uh, maybe we think that's not really what other people want for us. So we start to pretend and we just start to, start to fill this role, fit this role that we think that the others around, others around us want for us. And so we just... We just follow along and do those things. Or maybe we give up. I mean, after all, the bills have to be paid because we like to live indoors. And the kids need to be raised and they need food. Boy, do they need food. And so we just start sort of get lulled to sleep and we sleepwalk through life and we just sort of walk through day to day, not ever really stopping uh, to think about, maybe sometimes we stop and we think about is this really all that there is? Is this really what my life was meant to be? And I just wonder, can we get back to dreaming? What is my purpose? Can I find it? And if I do find my purpose, how do I keep it? In this series on identity, we've talked about who God says we are. We've sung songs about who God says we are. And last week, Brian was here, and he talked about how our identity is secure when we are in Christ. And so today, I would love to explore together this idea of purpose and design and how we can not just get caught up in day-to-day -day and lose sight of that purpose, but how we can hang on to that. 
So I would love to talk about that today. Um, in the New Testament, really the New Testament is just a collection of writings about the life of Jesus and the early church. And in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul gives us some very specific insight for our design and our purpose. Now Paul, he started out as one who opposed and persecuted the early followers of Jesus. But that was only until he met Jesus for himself. And after he had an encounter with Jesus, just as intensely as Paul had persecuted these early Christians, he began going around and encouraging them and building them up. He went around all the Mediterranean region, starting churches there, encouraging the believers who were there. And he is responsible for much of the writing that we find in our New Testament. A lot of it um, are, it's composed of letters that he wrote to these different churches. And so we're going to take a look at some of the things that he wrote in a couple of those letters. The first thing I want us to see, he um, wrote to the church at Ephesus. It's found in the book of Ephesians, and here's what he says. He says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Paul lets us know that we are God's masterpiece. What symphony number nine is to Beethoven what the Mona Lisa is to Da Vinci, you are to God. How cool is that? You are God's masterpiece, and he created you with a purpose, and that purpose is good works. And he planned those good works from the very beginning. How do we find those? How do we find those good works? He gets specific in another letter that he wrote to the Roman church. And here's what he says. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So Paul starts by reminding his audience of what God has done for them, of what he has done for you and me. He reminds us God sent his son. God sent Jesus. And Jesus gave up his life so that you and I could have life, not just for eternity, but for now. And so in light of that, because God gave up everything, because he gave up his son, trusting him with our lives seems like a pretty fair trade. And he lets us know that there is a way that we can find out what God wants for us. And what God wants for us is good, and it's pleasing, and it's perfect. But in order for us to find what that is, we have to be willing to let God transform us. We have to be willing to let God change the way we think. And then he continues. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Isn't it great when things come with a warning? Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. 
We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. We're gonna talk about more about that next week, so be sure you come back. And I love these next three words, in his grace. God didn't have to do anything else for us. He's already done everything, but in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you, if you will please go back, I wasn't, I wasn't done. Yeah, thank you. So if God has given you the ability to prophecy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. And now, if you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. What Paul is saying is, here is, some of you are good at one thing, and some of you are good at another. So whatever that is that you are good at, whatever your ability or desire is, do that thing, whatever it is, to the best of your ability. If you are strong, use your strength to help others. If you are a musician, make music to the best of your ability. If you love to bake, don't just bake for yourself. If you have an easy time making friends, be a great friend. Whatever that ability is, do that thing to the best of your ability. Make it great. Now, a lot of times when we figure out what we are good at, we have a tendency to become very self-focused. Either we get a big head and we start thinking, wow, look at how amazing I am at this. Look at me, everybody. I'm fantastic at this thing. And we draw the attention to ourselves. Or if we're the kind of person that doesn't really like attention, we sort of start to shy away from that. And so we hide and we don't really discuss the things that we're good at. And we just sort of keep it to ourselves. And sometimes we start to look around us and we see the things that other people are good at. And we kind of like that better. And so we start like sort of lamenting our own giftedness and we start wanting the gifts that other people have. Now, no matter how it expresses itself, all of that, in all of those ways, the focus is on self. But remember what Paul said? He said, don't, don't be like the rest of the world. Don't copy the behaviors and the patterns of this world. Don't do what everyone else does. Let God change the way that you think. So instead of looking at your gifts and looking at your abilities and your talents and your desires and thinking about how you can benefit from those things, start thinking about how those things could benefit others. Because you find your identity when you give yourself up for the benefit of others. Now that seems counterintuitive, right? It seems like you have to focus on yourself in order to find yourself. But the opposite is actually true. When you take the focus off of yourself, you can begin to see a greater purpose in who you are. Your past, your pain, the family that you're a part of, the family that you came from, it all starts to make more sense. And then God can show you what those good works are that he planned from the very beginning. I grew up a pastor's kid, um, and there is a lot of pressure 
being a pastor's kid. I don't think it's on purpose. I don't think anyone does it intentionally. Uh, but there is a lot of pressure that comes with being a pastor's kid. And um, in this particular season of my life, I was around 17 years old. And it wasn't just one thing that had me feeling very overwhelmed by this kind of attention and pressure um, of growing up in that kind of home. It was just a kind of a, a lot of things. It was just my circumstances. In this one particular day, I remember just having this conversation with God. I was in my room and, and I was praying and I was just telling God how hard my life was and how I really didn't like my circumstances. Let's be honest, I was complaining. I was 17, okay? So I'm complaining to God and I'm just telling him how hard it is and how much I don't like it and how I wish it was different. And it was in this moment when I was praying that I was sort of got this sense. It's almost like I heard the sentence, this is just the beginning for you. And I was like, wait a minute, what? Because I feel like, God, what I just heard you say was that um, I was just beginning this whole thing of living in a pastor's home and having that kind of attention and that kind of pressure. And um, I'm pretty sure that what I was saying before was that I didn't like this kind of attention and I felt very overwhelmed by it and I wanted something different. And what I hear you saying is um, that it's not going to be over for me in the next couple of years. And it was kind of like, yep, this is just the beginning for you. And I had this sense that not only was I going to grow up in a pastor's home, but I was going to raise children in a pastor's home as well. And this thought terrified me. And I remember looking in the mirror thinking, I don't know if I can do that. And I took a deep breath and I started thinking, okay, all right. Maybe it was a little dramatic. I was 17. So, okay, maybe I can do this. And I started thinking, okay, well, if I do have kids in the future and they start to struggle with the kind of attention that comes from being raised in a pastor's home, well, at least I have this experience. At least I know what it's like. At least I can say to them, hey, I have been there. And what you are feeling and what you are experiencing I've been there too. I know what it's like. And I can help them navigate that. I can go through that with them. And then I started getting really crazy and thinking, you know what? There might be other people that I could help too. There may be other people who don't have the experience that I have that are going to have struggles. And maybe I could help them too. Maybe my experience could be beneficial for other people also, not just my own kids someday. And what is amazing is that God has used that so much more than I ever could have anticipated at the age of 17. It is so humbling and so encouraging when I sit with people who are struggling with those pressures and I'm able to say, yes, I've been there. I know what you're talking about. I know what it's like. You've got this. But that's just one example one of the other things I had hoped to do when I was a kid, I, I thought it would be so cool to do gymnastics. But I didn't have the opportunity for a lot of different reasons, lots of circumstances. That was just not something that I got to be a part of. Well, about five years ago, my husband and I found CrossFit. Actually, he found it first, kind of drug me along, but that's another story for another day. But one of the major components in CrossFit is gymnastics. So in my adulthood, I have been able to learn to do gymnasty things. And every week I get to do those things. But that's not the best part. The best part 
is that in this environment, I am in community with people who don't look like me, who don't think like me, who don't believe like I believe, and I am able to be Jesus in this environment. When I'm able to be there and celebrate with them when they get married, when they have babies, when they struggle, when there are hard things in their families, when there are hard things with their children, when they lose a loved one, I am able to be there and be Jesus to these people who some of them would never come into the building of a church. They would never come into a church building, but I get to be Jesus to them each and every day. And I get to do something that I think is fun and that I enjoy. How cool is it of God to let me do something fun and make a difference for him at the same time? Now, I don't know what it is for you, Maybe you're one of those people that wanted to be a professional athlete and you didn't get the opportunity for whatever reason. There are youth sports teams all over this community who need coaches. They need men and women who are willing to volunteer their time to teach kids how to play a game, how to be a good sport, how to encourage them and love them. And you could be Jesus to those kids and to their families and do something that you enjoy at the same time. Maybe you love um, cultures, different cultures of the world. You love learning about them, and you would love to travel, but you don't have the money to go anywhere. There are immigrants and refugees in this very community that I am sure would love to tell you about their, their culture, that they would love to share their recipes and their customs with someone who was interested and you could experience the joy of other cultures and at the same time be a neighbor and a friend to someone who could benefit from that. I don't know what it is for you, but I know this. You were made on purpose for a purpose. So to find that purpose, start thinking about what is it that you are good at? What are those desires that you have? Those things were put in you by the creator on purpose. They're not random. And then start dreaming again about how those things could benefit others. Who could benefit from you living out that passion and then don't just think about it. Don't just see it and go, oh, yeah, that, that would be good. Actually start doing something with it. Don't hide or pretend or keep it to yourself. Actually do something with it. Now, you may be thinking in this moment, yeah, well, uh, what I have to offer, what I like, nobody cares about what I like. And what I have to offer, nobody can really benefit from that. It's, it's not that big of a deal. Well, let me tell you a little story. On Facebook this week, I saw something a friend of mine posted. She was um, watching Sesame Street with her daughter, and the number of the day was zero. And the mom's response to the number of the day was, ugh, boring. And the little girl, in the brilliance of her youth, said, without zero, you don't have 10 or 100. And I loved that. I loved it because she's right. Even if you feel like a zero, even if, what, if you feel like what you have to offer doesn't have value, it does. You have value. You have purpose. You are needed. The world needs you to offer what you have been given. 
It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. It doesn't matter if you are rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you are married or single. It is never too early or too late to start living out your purpose. Because when you do, you benefit others, but you bring attention and notice to the God of the universe who created you and who loves you. So, who needs you to begin living your purpose? Who needs you? It is my prayer for you that you would begin exploring those gifts and abilities that you have been given. That once you see what those are, that you would begin dreaming and thinking about how that could benefit others. You would start putting faces and names to who could benefit from you living out those passions, those desires. And then once you see that, that you wouldn't stop there, but that you would do something with it, that you wouldn't hold back, that you would live out that purpose, not just because it benefits others, but because you will find your own life in the process. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for how you love us. God, thank you that you created each one of us uniquely and purposefully. That those gifts and uh, talents and abilities and desires, God, that those things are not random, that you placed them there on purpose, for a purpose. God, I pray that each one of us would really, truly begin evaluating what are those things that, that we are good at? What are those things that we desire? What are those things that we love? And God, that we would use those to benefit others around us. God, I pray that you would give us the wisdom to see what those things are. And God, I pray you would give us the courage to live that out. God, thank you for how you love us. Thank you for Jesus. And thank you that we get to journey through this life together. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, guys, for being here with us today for part three of our Identity Crisis series. Uh, we hope that you will join us again next week for part four of Identity Crisis. Have a great week.